lovely and this morning we want to study together from god's word on the prayer hindrance and why these hindrances come and how we can overcome on one side i wanted to share that and how many times have you heard someone asking for help you want to help but you are unable to help because you know either distance or because of some barriers in between and uh, you can't reach that person to help and uh, recently i do not know how many of you read in the newspapers so that in i think in btm layout a mother and a daughter were charged to death in the first floor apartment the apartment got fire but they were not able to save them because the door got jammed and uh, when they wanted to come out of the balcony when the firemen wanted to help them through the balcony they could not do it because there was a grill that was put on the balcony they could not jump out or neither could the firemen go and reach out to them and they were charged to death mother and daughter very pathetic you know people wanted to help but there was a hindrance prayer hindrance and um, christians speak of spiritual disciplines and uh, they usually mean regular practices that can really help us to grow in our spiritual life uh, like we have the discipline of exercise physical exercise for us to be healthy and strong uh, similarly for our spiritual life the bible also uh, tells us about some spiritual discipline it does not tell us everything about the spiritual disciplines but um, there are three things that really stand out and we all know that very well simple ones and uh, which we love to uh, talk about and uh, uh, even uh, read about one is prayer the other one is uh, the bible study and the third one is fasting uh, however the bible does not give us any commands uh, uh, you know to how we should do or what we should do but we thankful to god that the spiritual disciplines are there and the saints of god have picked them out you know they have picked them out from the uh, from the bible and they wanted to encourage us so that we can also be transformed as pastor sunny said the highest form highest uh, goal of prayer is to be transformed into his image but the most uh, uh, most of the people neglect these spiritual disciplines most of they know the lord jesus christ they neglect these spiritual disciplines ancient people call upon the name of the lord the bible tells us very uh, clearly in uh, genesis chapter 4 and verse 26 seth also had a son and he named him enosh at that time people began to call on the name of the lord early on in the book of genesis the writer uh, notes this the spirit of god takes makes it a point for the writer to note it that people began to call upon the name of the lord and this was similar to the calling uh, that god gave to adam and said adam adam where are you when adam fell into sin adam and he fell into sin god comes into the garden it's not that god, god does not know where adam is but he wants adam to respond adam adam where are you where are you and uh, 
it's uh, calling also is a cry for help in time of distress. You know, uh, this was how he cried out. This is how uh, the people cried out to God. And uh, it is, it's a cry of uh, cry for help in the time of distress. And the Bible tells us in Psalm 65 and verse 2, you answer prayer to you, all people will come. Please note, it is not just the Christians who pray, but all humans from all backgrounds, they pray. And the Bible tells us, it notes, it tells us the truth. You answer prayer to you, all people will come. All people will come. You know, you can take it as a prophetical one. One day, everybody will call upon God. Uh, you can uh, take it as a statement or you can take it as a truth. Yes, it's a truth. And it's a truthful statement. Muslims pray five times a day. And uh, I was in Saudi working for, uh, for six years. And there, uh, uh, when I'm working with them, I know I was in charge of the kitchen and uh, suddenly my Saudi colleagues will be missing. Somebody, can you, uh, can you unmute please? And uh, the Saudi guys will be missing from my kitchen and uh, I'll go searching for them. You know, where, where are they in the next block? And then I'll find them in their, uh, you know, small prayer room. I'll ask them, what are you doing? And they say, I, I'm praying, praying. Okay. They can't pronounce, uh, you know, the letter P. They say, I'm praying. So I said, okay, pray and come. So most of us, you know, uh, are, are, you know, praying in prayer. Okay. We're not praying. We are praying. And, uh, you know, the Muslims do it five times. They pray five times, you know, and early morning prayer is at 5.30 in the morning sunset sun or sunrise prayer and many hindus get up early morning uh, to do puja uh, sing kirtans and recite bhajans and i was going through the gayatri mandra which is very becoming very famous these days everybody's talking about the hindus especially gayatri mandra and uh, they say it has to be recited uh, best is from 4 a.m to 8 a.m that is the best time and of course, again, from 4 a.m. to 8 p.m., 4 p.m. to 8 p.m., you can recite. But the best time is 4 a.m. to 8 a.m. And one of the best slots for them to recite. And uh, they say while chanting this Gayatri Mandra, you should always close the eyes and should try to concentrate on every word and understand their meaning. What they mean is uh, don't you know, just mouth something, but to know what you're doing. And uh, very interesting, you know, I was going through that it's only four lines, you know, the Gayatri Mandra is only four lines, uh, three lines in there precisely. And uh, uh, very interesting, it talks about illumination, you know, it talks about illuminate me, illuminate me, oh God, you know, make me, help me to uh, know, know reality. It's very interesting. Okay, I went through it, I went through the meaning, and uh, it was very interesting. And, um, but I want to make it a point that the Muslims pray, uh, Hindus pray, and they give him importance to that. And I remember early morning, one day when in Chennai, I went to a, went for a funeral and uh, I was staying in a house and early morning around 4.30, I could uh, hear some songs in a very uh, soft uh, uh, voice, uh, songs and prayers and bhajans. And uh, next house, uh, they were doing that early morning. And the Bible tells us very clearly in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 6 to 8, when you pray, when you pray, not if you pray, please note that, okay, not if you pray, but uh, when you pray, okay, it talks to us about as a matter of fact, when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen, God who does, who, whom we cannot see, then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you, will reward you. And again, the next verse, and when you pray, 
do not keep on babbling like pagans when you pray when you pray so it is taking it as a matter of fact for you and me that when you pray is not telling us please pray or anything but it says when you pray it is like you know it's 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 a fact that we all know that we as people of god should pray and uh, in king james version say the reward he will reward you openly that's very interesting you know in niv it says will reward you but uh, in king james version it adds uh, openly it he will reward you openly very interesting and uh, when you pray when you pray uh, remember that you know that you and i are called to pray there is a, a calling upon our heart for us to pray and matthew chapter 7 verses 7 to 11 we all know the scripture ask and it will be given you seek and you shall find and knock and shall be open and this eight one is very interesting for everyone who asks receives no matter who it is isn't that a wonderful no matter who is it he receives from god when he ask i'm not talking about asking anything we want according to god's will when you begin to pray and ask god the bible says god answers us and which of you if a son asks for bread will give him a stone or if he asks for a fish will he give him a snake so if you who are he will know how to good gifts to your children how much more your father in heaven give good things to those who ask him it was a style of teaching that jesus used from lesser to greater he saying when the lesser ones can do it how much more the great god will do it think of it our children come to us and ask ma uh, i'm hungry okay and then you keep a stone on the table and say eat it i'm hungry then you catch a snake you cut it and leave it no none of us will do it and god uses it and say no i'm not going to do that i'm going to be much more i will give good things good things things that will not only delight you but also will decorate your life with my glory that's what god wants to do and the bible say jesus prayed as soon as he was baptized and heavens opened up when he op- when he prayed heavens opened up and jesus prayed early morning day daytime he prayed in the evening he prayed the whole night in prayer to god he prayed before selecting his disciples he prayed before the arrest he prayed on the cross and he prayed and gave up his life on the cross that is the way jesus gave importance to prayer and we the followers of jesus should know that very well and luke chapter 11 and verse 1 the bible says one day in a place where jesus had just finished praying just finish praying you know that was been his usual practice praying and talking to god going alone to be with god one of his disciples requests lord teach us to pray just as john taught his disciple uh, very interesting here again teach us to pray teach us how to pray is different from teach us to pray may god help you and me to ask him lord teach me to pray teach me to pray that should be the first one teach me to pray yes of course jesus was always kind gracious he knew what the disciples needed he went on to give them a model prayer lord 
what I should pray for and what I should say, teach me. That was in their heart. And Jesus knew that and began to teach them. And he gave them a model prayer. And then he says, a friend coming at midnight and asking for bread. Here the man wants to show hospitality to his friend. Imagine he doesn't have anything with him. This friend, if you read that story in Luke 11, he doesn't have anything. He wants to show hospitality. He wants to show kindness. He goes to the neighbor and says, give me something, bread, because my friend from a long journey has come and I have nothing to serve him. And that was his heart. And just compare it. God has got everything with him. You understand? A man, a human who does not have anything, wants to give to his friend. Wants to uh, love his friend, show the care for his friend. How much more your God and my God wants to answer you and me. He has got everything. He has got everything. And Luke chapter 18 and verse 1, Jesus said in another story about prayer, then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. Not to faint, not to become weary, and not to lose heart. Not to give up. Never ever think our prayers are vain. Parable of the persistent widow. She was widow. She was helpless. She was vulnerable. She was poor. She's under severe challenge and stress. And that was the parable that Jesus gave in Luke chapter 18. And you find that uh, to go to a judge, you need a lawyer. You can approach a judge only through a lawyer. But here in this case, she herself goes to the judge and gives a request. Give me justice. And the Bible says the unjust judge gives justice to her. And again, God is, Jesus is saying, my son, my daughter, I'm there to give you justice. I'm there to answer you. Do not give up. If you have been praying for something, if you are thinking the heaven is like brass, my prayers are not moving forward. Never give up. Never give up. Never lose heart. Wait. Now, let's see what keeps a Christian from praying. Matthew 13, 22. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of well choke the word, making it unfruitful. Worries of this life. The first one is the challenges, the cares of this world. And in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7, it says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. God knew that we are so weak, we can get worried, anxious, troubled. And he said, cast your cares, your worries, your anxiety, your fears, your inability. Say, come and cast it upon me. And then in Psalm 55, verse 2, cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain you. You shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. No, look at the scripture. Cast thy burden upon the Lord. And God will not sustain your burden, but God will sustain you and me. What a loving God we have. Because you and I are so important for him. You and I are so precious for him. He knows the cares of this world. 
the burden that should propel us to pray keeps us from praying. And he knows that. And that's why he's telling us, come, come with your cares and give your cares, your worries, your burdens over to me. Sometimes our heart, our heart is too heavy, crushing, in pain, sorrow, burdened, confused, fearful, and even guilty. That is your, you and me. That is how we are in this world. And these cares of this world stand as a huge challenge, as a hindrance for us to come to God in prayer. Cast the burden. I want to sustain you. Give your burden. I want to sustain you. You're so important, my son. You're so important, my uh, uh, daughter. I want to cast. I want to carry you. I wanted to take you in my arms. And I will never. He says he will never suffer the righteous to be moved. And these cares and these burdens, you know, press our hearts, making it so painful. And we are not able to move ahead. And Jesus stands as an example for you and me in Luke chapter 22, verse 42 to 44. And when he was about to face the Roman soldiers coming and arresting him in the garden of Gethsemane, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. Please note the, the sequence. Not that angels strengthened him and then he began to pray. You understand? He begins to pray and the angel strengthens him. And being in anguish doesn't mean that you know, his pain was removed. Angels are strengthening him and being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly and sweat was like drops of blood falling down to the ground. He was praying. And the angels come and strengthen him. Even though the angels were strengthening him, he found that anguish was growing deep inside him. And the Bible says he prayed more earnestly. He was in an agony. He had a struggle in the soul. There was intensity in his prayer. There was, uh, there was strenuousness in his prayer. And as he was praying, the angels strengthened him. My dear brother, my dear sister, the challenges, the cares of this world will keep us from coming to God. But we have an example. In the midst of all this agony, Jesus was coming and looking to God in prayer. This is the place where I feel that tears will begin to flow, crushing our hearts more. I pray and I ask God, Lord, give me tear-filled eyes when I pray. When I pray for people who are in pain and agony, when I pray for people who are lost in the world, I want this. I want this. Cares of this world. And then you find in Matthew chapter 6, verse 31 to 34, do not worry. What shall we eat? Cares of this world. Do not worry. And then in verse 30, it says, but seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness and these things will be added unto you. I read in a very important 
journal mentioning god promised to prosper us when we seek his kingdom definitely he would like to prosper us but seeking the kingdom of god and his righteousness the bible says god will add things that we need in life not the wants therefore do not worry for tomorrow worry will take care of itself god is saying if you seek the kingdom of god i will begin to add what you want in your life what you need in your life it will be added so when k when when struggles when challenges are coming our way and that is the time where you should ask you and i should ask god lord give me that grace to look to you more intently and the next one is complacency here you find matthew 30 13 and 20 to the deceitfulness of riches and jesus was saying in matthew 6:24 no one can serve two masters either he will hate the one and love the other or else he will be devoted to the one and despise the other you cannot serve god and money look at the scripture here we can be devoted either to god or money well but also it means we can despise god or money you and i cannot have both and there are many people who think i have everything i'm compl- i'm i'm just satisfied god has blessed me more i i have heard it as a preacher many people saying i've got enough i've got god has given me a good job i'm earning well i don't have any need i have everything and this complacency keeps us from coming to god king james version says he will hold to the one and despise the other or he will be loyal to the one and despise the other he will be loyal to the one and despise the other i wanted to ask you my brother my dear sister if your life is complacent are you going to leave just like that in that place do you want a change a transformation you have the breath of god god wants to change bring changes through you in this world changes through me in this world deceitfulness of riches complacency we just think i have it i have it so i will go to church a little bit i will give my money i will be like that our devotion and attachment or loyalty can be only to one you and i have to search our hearts where is my attachment what is my attachment to god to the things of god i had my principal in sax uh, captain joe's also studied some of you may know dr graham houghton he was a new zealander who came and started sax in a in a in a small car shed in koramangala and it became a huge campus 
and he would always, this was the famous uh, quotation that was put all over. There were many quotations in Sachs, uh, you know, in the, in the corridor, in the classrooms and everywhere, in the library, uh, very interesting uh, campus. But one quotation that has gone deep into me and I always think of it and I also use it to quote to others. Other quotations I don't remember well. One thing he would say also in his lectures and his preaching, if you chase two rabbits, both will run away. If you chase two rabbits, both will run away. Yes, my dear brother, my dear sister. You and I cannot say, I have money, I have my job, I have my food, I have everything comfortable. So this much I will give for God. The rest is for myself. And I wanted to tell you, a person who gives importance to God will first and foremost give importance to the welfare of his or her soul. If you and I are giving importance to God, we have the breath of God, as I said, and this breath of God can be, can be satisfied only when it connects with God himself. Sadly, people pray for a job. I want a job. God gives them a job. I want a promotion. God gives them a promotion. And you know something, the same job, the same promotion will keep them from God, from praying, from spending time with God. There are people whom we have heard as a pastor coming and saying, pray for me. I want to dedicate this baby. If God gives me a baby, I'll dedicate this for God's service. Bargaining with God. God in his mercy gives them. And finally, the same people will give the child as a reason for not coming to church. Sorry, it's a fact. It's a fact. It may hurt some people, but I'm telling with, with anguish because I've experienced it. The same people, what to do? My child, God gave the child. God gave the child. I remember uh, Pastor Paul Tangea uh, worked with him for many years. And once uh, his daughter, Pinky, was uh, down with high fever, was a baby. So his wife, Shiba Tangea, said, Pinky is having fever, so I'm, I'm, I'll stay at home. You know, he looked at her and said, just wrap her and bring her to church. That's all. Bring her to church and we will take care there. Not here. Come and be, let her be in God's presence. I'm not saying you carry your child and come because you have fever. I'm not saying all that. My point is, you and I have to not give reasons, job, promotion, children, other things as a reason for keeping away from praying and seeking God. You may say, pastor, you are a pastor and you will say that. But I wanted to tell you, I had been a professional chef. Most all of you know, I had been a professional chef. And I know from my heart how important it is to give first place to God in our lives in spite of our professional work responsibilities. In, in the place where I work, I say this for God's glory, overtime will come to me almost every day. There'll be overtime coming my way. And I could have made my salary at least three times my salary that I was earning. But 
99% of the overtime, I will say, sorry, I'm not going to do. And the reason why I used to say that is because if I get into the earning of so much of money, I will be missing out on spending time with God and also serving God in that country. So I have to politely declare, yes, there were times when I had to agree because they were all important board meetings or, you know, uh, some of the uh, you know, world leaders were coming there and I had to be there to take care of the food board meeting and, you know, other types of uh, big meetings. I used to have to be there. But 99.99% of the time I had to say no. Complacency. We think money is there. God is blessing me. I'm, I'm very happy. So let me keep a little bit only of my spiritual life. The next one is casual attitude towards prayer. Lazy to pray. Romans 15, 30, he said, Now I beg you, brethren, through the Lord Jesus Christ and through the love of the Spirit that you strive together with me in prayers to God for me. Strive together. Casual prayers can be made when you're driving your car, maybe in the office, to go to office. Lord, bless my driving or bless my driver. Help me to reach safely. You won't be praying half an hour sitting in the car or you're traveling you're to, you know, to somewhere else and you won't be praying for half an hour. And this kind of prayer, while rushing out to office or getting other things done, is called a casual prayer. Too lazy to spend other moments with God. Laziness stands in our way. Casual attitude stands in our way. These people, they don't find value in connecting with God. For these people, prayer is a boring exercise. They do like Gayatri Mandra, just three lines. And you know, Gayatri Mandra, they say you have to do three times. Muslims repeat the same prayer five times. But at least they repeat three times the same prayer, five times the same prayer. But sadly, our people who know the power of God, the power of Jesus, don't even spend time with God. Bless me, my family, protect me, my family. Give me food, give me promotion. Give me this, give me that. And then over. Some people even, it would even go a little further to pray for others who are in need. But I wanted to advise you, my dear brother, my dear sister. We are in a spiritual warfare. The people who are in the warfare, in the army, cannot be casual in their attitude. They have to be alert. They have to be committed to the cause for which they have drafted. And every one of us, please note, every one of us are drafted into God's army. We are called to be a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Not even a soldier, a good soldier of Jesus Christ. That's the calling that God has given to you and me. Some would even go a little further praying for others and say, yes, I'm praying for this person, that person. And there is an all-out attack on our souls. The demonic wants to destroy you and me, our families, our peace. As they, my wife and me, we faced a challenge. We learned that it is a warfare. My dear brother, my dear sister, I beg you, brother. That's what he, Paul said. I beg you. 
he not says he's not commanding he's not saying anything he's saying i beg you through the lord jesus christ and through the love of the spirit that you strive together with me in prayers to god for me that's what we are doing we beg you join us on tuesday mornings for prayer join us for the community prayer you take time to be in god's presence we beg you the when when scripture says beg it is not humaning who's begging it is god who's speaking to you and me it is the spirit of god who's talking to you and me i beg you my son i beg you my daughter i want you to join in the army strive because the days are evil agonize together struggle together and let me tell you as a preacher it is very easy to preach for one hour but very difficult to pray with concentration for even for half an hour very easy to preach for one hour one and a half hours two hours teach whole day very nice but to spend the same energy to talk to god to pray to connect with him even a little bit half an hour it's very difficult we can spend hours watching tv watching sports talking to friends very energizing laughing with such happiness but to be serious with god in prayer is very difficult casual attitude stands as an hindrance for praying and because of this our minds wander from marathali to as you're praying our minds wander from marathali to mumbai and then for suddenly from there it'll go to manhattan and then it will travel back to medipatnam and hyderabad then suddenly we will think of those mangoes and then we will go off to madurai that's how our minds travel i don't know how many of you have agreeing with me we pray we we want to talk to god but our minds are somewhere else and we have to discipline we have to bring that mind and ask god lord help me spirit of god help me we get distracted soon in prayer and isaiah 41 and verse 10 he said fear not for i am with thee you know you you understand god is with me in this room god is with you in your room as you sit and listen to this message through the zoom the presence of god is with you and each time you and i look to god in prayer he is with you he is with you i do not know i'm sure many men or all the men will agree with me you know our wives will tell us buy this and come and we go buy this buy that and come and we'll buy three things and leave out uh, two things come back and we will get one you know lesson you don't concentrate what i'm when i'm saying you think of something sometime when we reading the newspapers the wife will say something and uh, instead of saying no we will say yes instead of saying yes we will say no have you noticed that it has happened in my home many times and my wife will say when i'm saying listen like a teacher she will say listen to what i'm saying keep your newspaper down keep your mobile down my dear brother my dear sister god is with you and me and god is saying my son when you are talking i am there listening please bring your mind also together with your words to me let your heart be without words when you are praying rather than your words be without your heart that's a quotation of somebody i am quoting that not mine and god promises his closeness and he says in isaiah 145 and verse 18 
The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He is near, close by. And in prayer, we are like a cup. And God is like a jug. It's filled with living water. We are like a cup. And he wants to pour into this cup the living water. And this living water wants to fill us and overflow into the saucer so that others can also have it. But if the cup and the saucer, if the cup is removed from the place where the water flows, the cup will not be filled. God wants to pour into you and me. There was a bat which did not want to go out and hunt insects and other things. It looked at a parrot inside a cage. It thought, wow, if I was a parrot, I could get the beautiful seeds, fruits inside the cage instead of me going and hunting. So let me become a parrot. So it goes into a, a garden, a park where children play and the bat tries to befriend the children, but children see the bat, the bat does not look very attractive. So the children pass away, go away. So the bat thinks, okay, let me become like a bird. So it puts on beak, extra beak, feathers, tries to insert some feathers. It's just a story. And it goes again to the park. And there one little boy who was not having a proper eyesight and he picks up the bird and brings it home, uh, gets this bat, which is covered with the feathers and beak and gets it and puts it on the cage and begins to feed nuts to the bat. Bat was expecting insects, but all that he was getting was nuts. And he felt very sad. I wish I was a bat back again. And this bat, which wanted to be lazy, had to be inside the cage and then die because it became very weak without getting food. Some people we want, we choose to be lazy. We choose to be lazy. God help you and me to come out of this lazy, casual attitude towards prayer. And finally, one point is there before I go to the main point, compromising lifestyle. For many of us, sin keeps us away from God. Seat of compromise will look fine for some time, but it will land us in the seat of confusion. It could be a burst of anger, forgiveness, unforgiveness, hatred, cheating, lust, lying, friendship that are not needed, etc. Through which we are compromising our Christian life. We allow sin to creep in. We allow guilt to cloud our hearts. And we want to keep away from God. We feel God is far away. God will not hear my cry. God will not answer me. No human in this world, however famous, accepted by God and the basis of their righteousness. Remember that. And in scripture that you see, all those the father gives me will come to me. I will in no way drive away. 
It is an encouragement for you and me, my son, my daughter, no matter what you have in your life, if you can come to me with that, I will not drive you. I will embrace you. I will transform you. If you want God to keep you away from sin, then you must, you and I should come to God as we, as we are. Weak, wretched, dirty, evil, unable to live for God, sinful and guilty. God says, my son, come. I will accept you, cleanse you and transform you. And today, if I'm a pastor, because I've learned to come to God in spite of all my weakness and shortcoming, I realize how much God wants to change me. God wants to transform me. And I began to look to God in spite of who I was. And I'm happy that his grace not only accepted me, but his grace helped me to realize how evil sin is. We are accepted by grace, though we are sinful. And the same grace alone can keep us away from sin. If sin is keeping, away, keeping you away from connecting with God, from the depth of your heart, God says, my son, come. I will no ways cast out. Come to me. And in John chapter 17 and verse 24, he said, I want those who are given me to be with me where I am. Just think of it. Jesus wants to keep us where he is. That's the heart of Jesus. To keep you and me in the same place where he is. I want those who are given to me be with, be with me where I am. Guilt is one of the most crippling diseases among the people today. Psychiatrists, doctors say the unresolved guilt is the number one cause of mental illness and even suicide. And for that, every person must seek God's help through prayer. And this beautiful scripture, I memorized it so well in King James Version. I want you to memorize the scripture. Note it down. Take time to memorize. Quote it. I know you feel down. It says, for of the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of an heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctified to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. It means from slavery to a servanthood. He says from slavery, you and I can serve God. How? Through the blood of Jesus. Through the blood of Jesus. And what can we take from this? What keeps a Christian from, what can we take from this? The four things that I mentioned was challenges, cares of this world, complacency, casual attitude, or lazy mind, and compromising lifestyle. God says, I can deal with all this if you come to me as you are. And what can we take from this? The first one, he said, come to me all who, are, who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. You know, the scripture talks about building a relationship. Come to me. Come to me. You and I can make prayer a religious exercise 
or make it a relationship. Pastor Sonny mentioned it. Lord, bless us through prayer to build a relationship with you. Prophetically, I believe it came through the time the, during the time of worship. And here God is saying, I can, I will do it. Come to me, come to me. Christian life is not perfection, programs, and performance, but progression. Progression within a relationship. Come to me, he says. There's an invitation for a relationship. The word come reveals something very warm, welcome, and a concern. You are laboring and are heavy laden. There's a concern from God. My son, my daughter, I don't want you to labor and struggle. Come. Come to me. But we are keeping away. And there's an invitation for a relationship. The word come reveals beautiful things from God. It revealed there is a place for us, a place where God will care for us and also provide his grace for us. And in John 1.12, he says, uh, and we are all called as the children of God. A relationship. He's our father. That's the relationship he talks. I'm your father. You're my child. Come to me. You as a father, mother, you will never throw your child for the shortcomings they have. You wanted to work on them. You wanted to advise them. You wanted to help them. How much more I want to do it. God has offered a relationship, father-child relationship. And Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 4, he said, my father, my friend, not only my father, but he's saying, I'm going to be a friend. I want to be a friend. I will not just call to me my father, my friend from my youth. God says, I accept it. And Jeremiah in Psalm 103 and verse 13, just as a father has compassion on the children. These are the scriptures that talks about God's love, a relationship with you and me. He wants to build a relationship. That's the relationship he offers, a father, son's relationship, daughter's relationship, a friend. And in Isaiah chapter 49, verse 50, can a mother forget us? Here he goes on to say, I'm your mother. I'm your father. I'm your mother. I'm your friend. I'm your, I'm your, I'm everything to you. And then in Matthew eleven twenty nine, 29, he says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me for I'm gentle and lowly in heart and you'll find rest for your souls. Here he says, take my yoke and learn of me. Throughout your life. It's not that you learn once and leave it. No, it's a lifelong learning. You and I have the best teacher in the world to teach you and me. He's a teacher who will correct us. He's a teacher who will transform us. That's the beauty with God. That's the beauty with God's Holy Spirit. That's the heart of God. That's why Jesus came to build a relationship with you and me. And through prayer, we can build a lasting relationship. We are all apprentices. We can learn throughout our life. Yes, we will all have shortcomings, but he will begin to work through us as we look to him in prayer. It's not one way learning. He will begin to teach us the wisdom of God. He will begin to shape us. He would help us to live that wisdom in this world lifelong just not just for a period of time and then he says my yoke is easy and my burden is light 
for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He says, whatever you wanted to learn from me is not what you are facing at work, in your family, in your situation, or in your schools and colleges, something more than all that. It is easy, it is light. My relationship with you will be very easy, light. All that you learn from me is very nice, will be good for you. And prayer is not separate from relationship. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and shall be done to you. My dear brother, my dear sister, as I close, I wanted to give you this invitation. Come, come to him. Let's come to him and say, Lord, I want to build this relationship with you. I want to build this relationship with you. Lord, you call me for someone, something wonderful. Prayer is not just, Lord, asking and receiving something. But it is more than all that. Yes, I receive. I will get all that. But it's more than that. It is to abide in you. Is to experience you. And the promise that God gave for all of us was, I make all things new. I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. I'll make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Behold, I make all things new. He wants to make all things new in your life and my life. He wants to change you and me. He wants to make you and me his friend. He wants us to enjoy the relationship that we can have with the Heavenly Father. And his heart is like a mother's heart. He wants to bless you and me. Tell him, Lord, I don't want to consider prayer as an exercise. Yes, it is an exercise, but I don't want to consider it. But instead, I want to consider prayer like building a relationship. And I'm sure the Lord will do it. You're going to sing that song. I'm going to ask Pastor Sunny to sing that. I'm sure we all know that song by heart. And we can, we can sing that song. I need thee every hour.